When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up? How are you, my friend? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Excited. I'm excited. This is a fun, fun podcast today. Yeah, today's a good one. This is a person we've been wanting on for a while. Uh, I've never met her. Have you met her? I, I've never met Kelly. Um, but how many times do you think we like tried to get Kelly Osborne? <laughs> it's funny because it's like we've tried a lot, but maybe we, you know, you know what is it? I think it's about contacting the wrong people. I think that's what it comes down to. We contacted the right person, and it happened almost immediately. So it wasn't like, in this situation, I don't feel like she was shutting us down. I just feel like she didn't know we've been trying to get a hold of her. And you would think the wrong people would say, hey, we're not the person to contact. <laughs> but they like having but, that power saying, hey, exactly. you know, I could help you, but I'm not going to help you. How many? So here in Hollywood, for people that don't know, you have to reach out to, you know, their press people, publicists, managers. And the one thing that we've learned since doing the podcast, half the time the manager is listed in like an IMDb or on their their cards or whatever, not really their manager anymore. It's just, it never got changed. But the person, when you reach out to them, they're like, okay, we'll look into it. Instead of telling you, I don't represent the person anymore. Yes. Yes. So you go down like this rabbit hole and then you find out later, oh, they don't even talk to the celebrity at this point. But then all of a sudden you talk to the person like, oh, they're not interested. I'm like, oh, okay. And then you get somehow a little bit closer to the person like, oh, yeah, I'll do it. They didn't even know about the offer. They didn't even know about, hey, they could do it. They could talk to the Hollywood Hollywood Raw podcast. So it's uh, it's funny. So, yeah. So we got Kelly today and I'm stoked. Before we get to (laughs) Kelly, I want to ask you, Dex. Britney yes. Spears. What is the latest for Britney Spears, and what are your thoughts on Britney Spears? <sighs> so well, let me see. I read the latest news was that she doesn't want her father to be the sole conservator of her estate. And so she is now trying to get a second person. And I'm sorry I'm butchering this. I wasn't prepared to for this. But uh, I, she's trying to get this other female financial officer on board. And I think she said, look, my dad can still be a part of it if this woman wants to be a co-conservator, but she doesn't want her dad to be the only one making the decision ever since. I, what was that guy's name that was the co-conservator? I don't, I don't know. That left a what does ago. that mean, though? Can you explain to me what that means? I, I can't figure it out. I don't know if... The press is taking that as, oh, look, Britney's stuck in her house and her dad's controlling her life. Like, we all kind of assume the situation. Or she's just like, hey, the responsibility should be distributed between a couple people. Right? Like, maybe that's safer for her, safer for investments, safer for making decisions if it's not just one person looking over all of it. Then you have two people that have to collaborate and have to come to a decision. So does that mean that her father's only in charge of her money or he, what, can you explain to me what the, so. Yeah, the conservatorship is, is basically in charge of her life, unfortunately. That's what it really comes down to. So when she wants to make a big purchase, like a house or a car, she then has to go to him and get approval. She has like a certain amount of money that she can spend per month. 
but then all of her finances have to be charted. It has to be filed with the court. Um, and that's why a lot of her financial documents come out every couple months or every year when they're like, oh, she spent $20,000 on travel this year because she has to document everything with the court. It sucks. It sucks for her. So I mean, what do you think? Let's say everyone's like, free Britney, free Britney. If her father... Leaves, I don't know if Britney wants to be free. That's the problem. But what do you think could happen to her? What do you think it's holding her... What is this holding her back from her and her life? You know, why is it all about Listen, free Britney? I think that that's because what people want is for Britney to make her own financial decisions, for Britney to make her own things. Britney is not a healthy person. You know what I'm saying? Like, people start to forget that there's a reason all this was put into place in, because... You know, she she's not 100%. And I don't know if it's going to take two years to be 100% or she may never go back to the Britney that we all were introduced to. But I think that these people are in place to help her with that. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing, but maybe it's the responsibility needs to be on someone that's not necessarily her dad. I, I just I want someone in there that has Britney's best interest, not their own best interest and i don't know what that is with her dad but it's not like her I dad's making gets, is her dad making money on it he makes he makes a uh, an amount but it's like a set amount so i think he gets like a uh, essentially a salary. salary per year and i don't and i think what, what people think is that it's millions of dollars it's not it's not like a big salary um and you you've got a lot of work on your hands being him so i don't i don't want to sit here and make it seem like his job is easy and he's a terrible person. I don't think that at all. I think I think he truly cares about his daughter and he's under a microscope at all points. Interesting. Uh, well, I, uh, I appreciate you explaining to me what's going on. Uh, before we get to Kelly, we run the easiest contest on this podcast. All you have to do is leave a review and every... Oh, I just threw my, tr- my phone in the trash. <laughs> Sorry, you threw your phone in the trash. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we leave, we we run the easiest contest out there on this podcast. All you have to do is leave a review on iTunes or whatever platform you read the Stitcher. podcast, Stitcher, whatever it is. Yeah. And Dax picks a review, and uh, it's as long as it's a good review, he reads it out loud, and then I put my name. Now, I'm willing to read a bad review. I just don't know if I want to give no, away do a not, do $200 not. autograph yeah. to someone Fuck that was a dickhead. those people, Dax. <laughs> so Dax <laughs> re- reads a review, and I will mail you out an autograph, which is DM me soon if Dax calls your name and I'll send you a celebrity autograph. Dax, who is winning today? All right. Today is, uh, the commenter is Holiday Sipper. Uh, the, the title is Love It with the five stars. It said, you guys are great. I happened to stumble upon you guys recently and I have loved going back and listening to all the other episodes. I love your ability to speak to your guests in a way that it feels like a conversation, not an interview. Keep up the great job. And who's that from? Holiday Sipper. Holiday Sipper. DM me at, at Adam Glenn on Instagram or find me on uh, find me somewhere. You can find me. I'm not hiding. And I will send you an autograph. My name is in a hat right now. I'm picking out a name, and the name is Isla Fisher. Isla Fisher. Ooh, that's, that's a, a good, good one. one. Yeah, that's a good photo, too. It's uh, a cool one. So send me your address, and I will send you an autograph photo of Isla Fisher. And uh, again, guys, leave a review. It's the easiest contest out there. So, uh, Dax, tell us about today's guest. Definitely rock royalty. She's been an actress, a singer, fashion designer, TV personality. And honestly, I loved her as a kid because 
the way she spoke, the words she was saying on reality TV when I was younger was unlike anything I had ever heard before. Here's Kelly Osborne. I'm in the middle of moving and uh, they had to fix the plumbing in the building. I don't know what happened, but my apartment smelled like human shit all day long. <laughs> like, like ancient human shit. Like not even like fresh shit. It was like old people, 10,000 year old shit coming through the pipes. And I was just like sat there like, this is fucking next level all day long. And the air conditioning was broken. Oh, <laughs> where do you live? Where, what city um, are you in? So I'm in West Hollywood and I live in like, I think, is it the most fancy building in LA, you think? Yeah, it's one, of, this one and then one in Century City are the most fancy buildings in LA. And I wanted to live there because Elton John and Cher lived there. And it was like my little like super gay fantasy. And <laughs> I got in the building and I was like, okay, now I know I know young people live here because it's really snooty and they have tons of rules and they blame me for everything even when it's not my fault. And then... I fucking yesterday was just no air conditioning, 110 degrees in my apartment and the smell of shit. I just lost my mind. So what would happen if they were like, oh, just to let you know that was coming from Ellen's apartment? I'd be like, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if I shower in it, I'll be like him. So you've moved a lot. Do you ever feel attached to home? Do you feel like you've never had a home because you've moved so often throughout your life? No, because we've always had a home base in the UK. And that is my home. That I will never not... I'm British to the core. I think I'm... Me and my parents never ever want to lose sight of that. We, you know, we live in this country. We are very grateful for the opportunity to get, be able to live in this country. It's incredible. And I will always love America, but I'm, I'm British and my home is there. And it's, you know, my, my bedroom there is still the same from when I was a kid. And now it's my bedroom is my brother's kid's bedroom when they come. And it's, it's kind of, it's really nice to see that, that it's now con- That's awesome. into the second generation. So, you know, the one thing I, I think we have to get into, because everyone is talking about it right now, is how amazing you look. This weight loss. Listen, I think you looked beautiful before i know that you've dealt with a lot of haters over the years and a lot of shaming on the internet and i know that's something that probably takes a a big toll on someone that's in the spotlight but how did how did you lose this weight and were you doing it for yourself or were you doing it for other people that's that's what i i always want to ask first of all i have to say this like i i am working right now my own podcast with one of my best friends who i went on this journey with to go into full detail of everything that i did and all the things that I did, what we're going to do on this podcast is we're going to end up gifting um, a listener with the one of each episode will be about a different thing that I did. And then we'll give that thing to some, one of the listeners, whether it's um, uh, a workout class or like one of the things that I did that changed my face was I, I have really bad TMJ, like terrible and it's something I've done my whole life and one of the things they did to stop it was they gave me injections in my jaw and it kind of made my jaw look skinnier and that's when people started to notice that I really lost weight because it changed the shape of everything so like I was like shit is this something that people do to look skinnier and I found out that it's called um, what did I have a little bit in my phone I had it in my phone in my notes ah 
Buckle fat. Buckle fat? I've never heard of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it changed everything on my face. And I was like, why the fuck didn't I know about this scene? I could have been (laughs) like, But like little things like that. And then we'll gift, you know, somebody who wants to do that with the person I went to. And, and, you know, I I will never lie about anything that I've done. And I always want to share what I've done so that people can do it too. I... I think when people do these experiences, it's very unique and individual to you. And the first thing I had to do before I lost weight, the number one thing was to get happy. I had to fix my head before I could fix my body. You can never, ever, ever go into this if you're not in a good, like, state. Mind, yeah, state of mind, mindset. So what did you do for that? What did you do to get yourself in a healthy state? Was that the rehab? Was that the therapy first? or I stopped drinking which is the best thing I've ever done. Um, I really wanted to fix the things that have broken in me. I'm not perfect. I still make a lot of mistakes. I have bumps in the road. I fall down. I get back up again. That's just how life works in anything that you do. It's just... I don't even know how to really answer... I want to be very careful with how I answer these questions when it comes to weight loss and all of this because it, it is very individual. Like for me, I was so depressed and had so I started to truly believe everything that everyone said because it went on for so long. And I realized that I'd been solidly working and going from project to project to project from the age of 15 to 33. I'd never stopped working, ever. So to actually teach myself to hate, say, stop, let's fix you, was the hardest part of this entire journey. That bit right there. And it seems so simple, but it's the most difficult, I found, anyway. And then I did tons of therapy, and you know what I learned to do, which I never thought I would be able to do? Because I learned to meditate. And that has helped me in ways I can't even begin to tell you. Just taking that... I do 10 minutes in the morning and 10 minutes at night because anything more than that, my ADHD kicks in and I go crazy. But we're working on expanding that time. But it has changed a lot for me doing stuff like that. What do you feel like has been the most enjoyable part of this weight loss process? Is it, you know, just the end outcome? Is it the people that you've connected with through this? Like, what is it? Honestly, this has been a... This isn't something, okay, what I've realized about stuff like this is that people only pick up on your journey when you've arrived at your destination. Do you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I, and so this has been two years of, of me working on this and figuring it out, figuring out if I wanted to still be in this industry, if I was capable of, of even losing the weight. Do you know what I'm saying? And then I, I did, and I figured out that I wanted to keep going, and I didn't do this for anyone. It, it was a long process. It took two years, and now I'm, I'm here, and everybody's noticing, but I don't know what the best part is because I, like, I woke up one day, and all of a sudden, I was all over the newspaper and, and all over every... Oh, my God, that made me sound so fucking old. Newspaper. <laughs> 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 um all over the, you know, Daily Mail. And literally, I had hundreds of 
text messages. And I got asked out seven times in one day. I said no to every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, you could have asked me the last two years. Don't just ask me because I'm all over the papers. Come on. The newspapers. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, one thing that I, I think, you know, obviously when you make a change like this and then all this attention is focused on you, up comes the false reports and people trying to still beat you down. Can we put all of that to rest and say that there was never like the surgeries involved? Because I saw that coming up and I saw you kind of answering like to it. Can we just say? No, I had surgery. I don't give a fuck what anyone says. I did it. I'm proud of it. They can suck shit. You got your name. The name of the surgery you got was what? The gastric sleeve. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. And it wasn't like all it does is like change the shape of your stomach. How long ago did you get that? I got that a year ago. Oh, no, more than a year ago, like almost two years ago. I will never, ever, ever lie about any, ever. It is the best thing I have ever done. Yep. And let me tell you something. All these motherfuckers, they're lying. <laughs> I will always be the 1,000 calories a day. Lie. <laughs> So the only thing you did was the jaw stuff for your TMJ. On my face? I mean, that's not even weight loss. That was just, I guess, what makes people think that you might have done something. Never, ever, ever fucked with my face. Ever. I'm too scared. Really scared of that. I And I don't, like, like I, my tits are sagging and I want to get them fixed. But, like, I'm scared of the surgery. Everyone I've got, like, one of my, all of my friends that I've helped recover from it, oh, it looks so painful. And they can't move their arms. So I'm like, nah. I'm leaving that alone. I'm good. Like, I don't understand why people feel the need to, you have a different fucking face and everyone knows it. You're going to walk around and not tell the truth about what you've done. Who gives a shit? Be proud of it. Like, share your doctor's information. He'll probably give you the next one for free. Like, why, why are you even lying? Who cares? It's modern day technology. Every motherfucker is doing it. Who cares? I, I, I've always wondered why there's such secrecy in Hollywood. Like, I get it that everyone wants to stay young. And I... Who gives a shit? Yeah, but it's like... Like, I don't get it. Like, all of these fucking girls, it is your moral obligation when you have a platform to stand up and say, this is me, this is who I am, and this is what I do. When you lie to yourself, you lie to every single person that is giving their hard-earned money to your bullshit story. Tell the fucking truth. Who cares? Bella Hadid, you are fucking stunning. Your glow up is so inspirational to people. Share that. Like, every single one of these girls who is up there, same with Kylie Jenner, her fucking glow up is amazing. She is stunning. She has set a new beauty standard. Look at her beauty empire. Tell the fucking truth. It's your duty. Like, show these girls that you can do it, too. I'd be curious what the men are doing. We always hear about the women, but you know what? Women aren't the only people. Men are doing a lot of procedures as well, and we don't hear about that at all. The, the, you, don't, you don't hear men come about plastic surgery at all. Guys. So I take them, and, and, like, we do all the secret stuff, whether it's, like, the hair plugs or uh, getting rid of the moves. Or um, a chin lift, because this is the thing that goes first on men. Like, they, like, they get that lifted, or their eyes done. Like, I think it's important to look after yourself and do the things that make you feel good. I'm such a huge fan of plastic surgery, even though, like, I'm yet to, like, I keep looking at myself in the mirror being like, oh, 
Maybe I need a lifestyle lift. But then I really think about it. I'm like, no, I can't do it. Is part of the reason, uh, like, let me ask you this, as someone who's in recovery, uh, is it nerve-wracking to maybe to entertain the idea of plastic surgery just because of afterwards you might have to take, uh, like, a painkiller or some sort of medicine to, you know, is that? It was something that was the hardest part about making any decision to have surgery is really thinking about that and then putting a proper plan plan in place, never being in charge of medication. And it, you have to be careful. It's something you really have to consider when you, you live a life of recovery. But, you know, I always, I'm a fan of THC and CBD. I think that um, the medical usage of it, I, feel, I don't understand why it's not legalized everywhere. Uh, the things that it has helped in my life, my family's life, everybody I know, it's, you don't need all this other stuff. You just focused on, like, what CBD can do, and it's, it's crazy that everybody's just first thing is like, oh, let's give you an opiate, let's give you an opiate. You don't need it. We agree with you. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Uh, so, what was the point in your life where you realized, I need to change? Like, how... Like, how did drinking become a problem or is an issue? Were you just around it? Because was it just the environment you were around? No, it had the weirdest part is unless you were in my inner, inner, inner circle, you probably didn't even know I was drinking or drunk. Really? Were you just, were you hiding it or were you just a functioning alcoholic? It was, I, I was a functioning alcoholic just a full-blown functioning alcoholic because I kept my job, I kept my friends. I, um, it, what it was for me was I reached a spiritual low where I was so just morbidly unhappy and lost and directionless and just broken in every way. Um, you know, it's never one event. It's a combination of events and I took a really hard hit when Joan died. It, it's still something that is hard for me to even talk about. And to, you know, she was my family, Melissa, all of that. You know, it was, she was my mentor. And when that ended and fashion police stopped, like, I was like, well, what am I? That was my whole life. I did the Osborne, I did my music, I decided I didn't want to do that anymore, and then I went to fashion play. Like, that was my identity. And it, I just felt, I just felt destroyed. And I'd made so many mistakes, and I just was ready to, just done. But in every way. I, I, I hated myself in every way, and I I remember I just picked up the phone on August 8th, 2017, and I called my brother and I said to him, "Uh, it's actually really funny. I said, I'm done. I need help. Can you come get me? I don't want to be a fat, drunk loser anymore. I want to be a skinny winner. And I remember I was in like socks and just my underwear and a t-shirt and my brother picked me up and took me home and I never went back to the apartment again for like three years. And just 
that was it. I, I, I was like ready to work on myself and, and I did it. And, you know, it's not perfect. It's not easy. It's hard every single day. And I make mistakes and I just keep trying. That's all you can do. You know, we're actually coming up to, uh, we, we just did Melissa Rivers podcast. We, Melissa's been on our show and I got to know Joan over the years for the last 10 years. Joan has been, she was, you know, through doing what I did as a, as a journalist, Joan was amazing. I mean, one of the, I, people always ask me who's the nicest person in Hollywood and I always go back to her, you know, she was the best. Yeah, she was kind, loving. So on top of her game, she raised the level of her from her you know, based on how hungry she was to work to how funny she was, you know, she was just a, but overall at the end of the day, it just goes to the person she was. She was just a generally good person. I mean, I always tell Dex a story how she'd always give me earrings from her. She would give me earrings from her ear and say, give us to your grandmother, you know, and that's just the type of person she was. She was great. And we're coming up to the anniversary and uh, she passed, you know, uh, September 4th, 2014 is when she passed. What's your favorite drone story? You know, when people ask for a drone story, what's your favorite drone story that you tell people? God, it's so hard to pick. Everything was so fun with her. Everything. we used, I used to have so much. I, from the, You didn't care that you had to get up at three o'clock in the morning to go to work because you just knew that you'd get there. And from the second you walked to the door, you'd be laughing because Joan was there and she made everything so fun. And it really was like, she was my second family, Joan and Melissa. So much so that I really feel that at times, even my mom would be like, who, what about me? (laughs) Because I was just always, you know? What was she like when the cameras went off? You know, is she still cracking you up every second? Because obviously you guys had a different relationship. I didn't know Joan. She'd always look at me in First commercial break, she'd look at me and she'd be like, who do we hate this movie? <laughs> and then I'd fill her in on all of all of the gossip on like what would be happening. And then I'd be like, this person said this about me. And she'd go, fabulous. You love it when they hate you. And I'm like, okay. And just little things that she teaches you. And um, my favorite thing in the morning at like 6 a.m., it was never uh, coffee in her little Starbucks cup. It was a little secret glass of wine. <laughs> It was always the cheapest, most disgusting wine ever that somebody from the crew had brought in. <laughs> Me and Joe would be drinking in the morning before we started. <laughs> it's so funny. And it just like, she just had a way of making everything so great. Yeah. Everything. It was just fun. Uh-huh. I agree but with you. She always bought me books because she loved to read. She bought me this one book that I. I don't know why, but it was one of the most interesting books I've ever read. And it's called, I didn't finish it because it actually got burned. So I have to, I want to replace it. It's called Home. And it tells you why everything in your home is called what it is. Like why a door handle is called a door handle and why a living room is called a living room. And it breaks it all down from the beginning of history to now and a way that a house is supposed to be. And then she bought me this book called Manson, which was about the uh, history of Charles Manson. And just like every time she'd always bring me back the book. Oh, how fun. And one thing that I one tradition that I will always keep once this is all done is when you're in New York, you have to see one Broadway show. And it, it you know, but then we'd always discuss it because one of the things we'd always share is that I, I love show tunes. I love Broadway, I love all of that, and we'd always sing show tunes together. And whenever we did photo shoots, that's all we played in the background. I actually think it's crazy because Joan kept getting bigger and bigger. And if 
Joan would today, if Joan was, you know, with us, I think she'd be bigger than she ever was. I think we need her more now than ever. You know, she'd be the person against the cancel culture and take everything on right, head on more than any single person in Hollywood. So it'd be every time all of this. Everyone says WWJD, but mine is what would Joan do every every time? I'm like, what would she do? Oh my god, if she was here, what would she say? And it was such a gift to be able to have the opportunity to learn her perspective. So I get to look at things through her lens, and it does help me through these horrible times. Yeah. You laugh, and then when you see somebody walk down a red carpet, and you're like, "Oh my god, if Joan was here, what she would say." What, what do you guys think Joan would say about all the stuff going on with Ellen? I'm so curious because, obviously, like, <laughs> listen, she's a comedian. She would be like, she would say, she would go, "Fabulous." <laughs> she would love it. <laughs> have you ever? You've met Ellen, yeah? What What's your thoughts on Ellen? I have. Look, I will. I can only go by what I have experienced. Ellen has been nothing but polite and respectful to me. But I have walked through the hallways of that show and I have been told certain things while I have been there. I've experienced it. I know what they're talking about. It's, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. But as I say, she has been nothing but respectful to me. I'm not a fan of cancel culture. I think it's horrible. And I think that people should be given the opportunity to fix what they have broken rather than say you're done. I, I hate it. I think it's so wrong. Give the opportunity to become a better person and learn from your mistake. Don't cancel people. Everybody deserves a second chance. I always find it weird how society picks and chooses who they will allow to fix the mistakes and who they just cancel. It's so weird. Like you can never decide. It's like some people you're like, they're fired, gone. We don't ever want to hear from again. Other people you're like, oh, we want to hear their mea culpa. We want to have them back on top of the world. And it's like, why do we do this? I don't want to play God with anybody. That's not my job. If I like you, I like you. You know, if I don't, I don't. And that's, that's my reasons. I'm not going to sit here and campaign against you. I think it's, you know, you're not a child molester, a rapist or a murderer. So, yeah, as I say, you deserve a second chance. You know, there there are people who I feel don't deserve second chances, such as uh, I don't think that you should get a second chance at the presidency when uh, you run the country the way that you have for the last four years. Yeah, time time to step down and let somebody else try and fix what's broken because it's not working. Do you think people will kind of hold off on going on Ellen's show? until things kind of clear up a little bit or you know actually I I, th I think her her celebrity friends would still go on the show and they'll come out more than ever but do you think other people would hold off on going on the show um I don't know I really don't I think that as I said like no one really knows what went on except for the people that were there um it's like if she comes back and apologizes and is earnestly trying to fix what is broken i would go on the show but if i don't see that or feel that 
me personally, I don't think I would. I honestly think sometimes these kind of stories are the best thing that could happen. Like, it sucks for Ellen right now, but if it makes a better work environment for everyone there moving forward, then that's what you want, right? At the end of the day, you want people yeah. called out for their bullshit, and then you want them to fix it, and moving forward, they change their ways. I think that's what would be the best case scenario for everyone. Yeah, I do too. I don't know. I, I think that everybody, it's like, again, you learn from your mistakes. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I should be like fucking Yoda, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All right, so let's take a quick break. We've got something we need to chat about because we know there's guys out there looking to last longer in the bedroom. Everyone wants to be confident when the lights go out. So head to bluechew.com. Bluechew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance to another level. So check this out. They've got the same active ingredients that are in Viagra, in Cialis, so you know they They're work. They're chewable so they can work faster and you can take them anytime, day or night even on a full stomach. Plus, they'll save you some cash. They're cheaper than those other two. Honestly, it's no brainer. Basically, if you like sex, you'll like bluechew.com. And did we mention no need for an awkward doctor visit? Blue Chew's online physician consult is free. And once you're approved, the order ships straight to your door in a discreet package. <laughs> visit bluechew.com and get your first order free. That's right, free when you use the promo code Hollywood. Just pay the $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code Hollywood. You're welcome. All right, so where were we? Kelly, you've had so many jobs over the years. When people ask you, Kelly, what do you do? If someone comes up to you, they don't know what you do. It's, what would you say? It's gotta be so, it's like, what do you say? It's like, oh, do you wanna go through the list? Like, it's like, what do you, how, do, how do would you tell someone what you do? Even though I am... 35, almost 36 years old. And I have my own life and my own career that I have carved out for myself. They like to just call me a cliche celebrity kid because it makes them feel better. It's so weird. Oh. And no matter what I do, if we're out somewhere and there's a kid's table and an adult table, I still get put on the fucking kid's table. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> How is this fucking happening? <laughs> hey, but sitting there with Melissa Rivers wouldn't be so bad. That'd be a great table to be sitting at with you guys. Always. Oh, my God, she's so much fun. <laughs> I actually, because uh, her son's going to go get his first tattoo when I helped book the appointment, and I said I was going to go with them, so I have to uh, see when that's happening. How many tattoos do you have? I stopped counting. I have a lot. I just got two new ones. My parents went insane and were like, are you drinking? And I said, no. Why? Like, you've got tattoos and you're hanging out with boys again. And I was like, yeah, because I feel good about myself. Mom, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what's your mom's opinion been on your, your, I mean, I hate to say it's a transformation because I, you know, I, it's, it's your journey and it's been two years, but what, what has your mom been very supportive of all of, uh, you know, your weight loss? Oh, my mom has been like my number one cheerleader. And like, as I say, like it wasn't a, like I wanted to lose weight and I'm glad that I lost weight, but that was like, okay. So it went like mind, body and soul. So I did the mind, then I did the body. Now I'm working on soul. And you know, not to sound so cliche, but I've spent so much of my life doing things for other people and doing things to make sure that other people thought that I was 
cool. Not yet, cool is not the right word. Acceptable, I should say. And now I, life for me is about the pursuit of happiness. I, I'm, I just want to do what, I know that that sounds selfish, but just do what makes me happy. Why does that have to be selfish? I think that, I mean, isn't that what most people should have a he- happy, healthy life and focus on ourselves? But then it's like, it's all about me and what makes me happy. I don't care about you. I don't, it's not like that. You know what I'm saying? I just, I'm done people pleasing. Like if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. Life isn't so concrete and black and white. I've spent so much of my life in the black and white area. Now I'm focusing on the gray area, the bit that is the unknown and like, making myself uncomfortable in situations and educating myself about things I don't know. And it's, it's been really fun. You know, something that just popped into my mind, you being sober, Jack being sober, you know, your whole family dynamic is so different. What would it be like if cameras were inside the Osborne house today? Obviously you guys don't live together, but what would, how different would the Osborne house be like? No, we're just older. (laughs) We're just older and we don't drink. Like, Look, I want to be really honest about, like, the way that I look at AA and sobriety is very different from the way that my brother looks at it. Like, we're very different in how we do this. And um, Jack is 100% by the book. 100% by the book. It's like how it is. There's like, like, so I wish I was more like him in that area. And I just, it's just not the way that it works for me Mm -hmm. and for me every day is about rigorous honesty and that's where we all butt heads and even when I fuck up I tell the truth and so Jack and I we're very I want to say stubborn but we're still like those kids that bicker and fight and slap each other and play stupid pranks and my dad's like do you guys ever stop but he is like my best friend now my dad doesn't get off the couch. He's always trying to figure out how to work the remote control. <laughs> and my mom has no idea what's going on because the dogs are shitting everywhere. And nothing has. <laughs> it is all. <laughs> I love it. I love that you guys were like. I didn't say, but like at the beginning of this interview, my dog has taken a shit in here and it stinks. And I've been dying this whole time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you motherfucker. And I'm looking at her like. Oh, you fucking dick. <laughs> <laughs> I've been texting Tom being like, the dog took a shit in here. <laughs> oh. I love it. I also want to know, what am I, you, uh, know what am I, you guys being like the first family on reality TV, how has, like, we've watched all these other families break up, go through divorces, Nick and Jessica, like all these other famous, famous families. What was the different, like, what was different with you guys that you guys survive that being the first ones i think that you know you you'd have to ask my parents that because i'm i'm not married i'm scared of marriage uh my parents have instilled in us that when you when you love someone you don't give up yeah and i think that that and no one's as i say say so much but we're all so fucked up we really are but we own it and we wear it on our sleeves and I think that maybe that can other people see themselves in us. I don't know. And, and that's 
maybe why people like us. But the reason, the question is like, why do you think they stay together? Honestly, at times I was like, maybe they shouldn't be because it's so fucking crazy. But those two are the definition of soulmates. They cannot function without each other. They just can't. And like, they'll do things like, oh, during this quarantine, they were like, we're spending too much time together. We've never spent this much time together. I'm going to go out for lunch. We literally drove in the car to the restaurant. And by the time we got to the restaurant, my dad had texted my mom seven times and we had to go back. <laughs> so I was just like, oh, you guys are so fucking codependent. You can't do anything without each other. And I think the, the text message was, have you forgotten about me, mommy? Come home. <laughs> And my dad, my mom was like, oh, daddy, does it, I'm like, you guys call each other mommy and daddy, and you guys can't be separated at all, see, ever. See, so why, why are you afraid of marriage? You clearly have two good role models in front of you. Why are you afraid of marriage? I'll never find that. I know that. Why? Why do you say Would that? They, I know, I know, and because I think marriage is different now. I don't think you need a piece of paper. I think if you love someone and you want to be with them, then be with them. And I've worn enough beautiful dresses and have enough moments about me. I, it's not about that for me at all. So are you totally single right now? Are you dating any? Are you seeing someone? I'm, I'm What's dating, your deal? I'm seeing someone. Gotcha. Where'd you meet the person? It's somebody that's been in my life for like 20 years. We we're, we always find that so interesting where like someone like yourself, it's, it can't be the easiest thing to go out and date. You know, it's not like. Oh, it's horrible. You know, I tried the, the celebrity dating app and I found it to be very incestuous with the circles of people all fucking each other and dating. And it was not for me at all. Um but I like. I will tell you this. Not for my, like the person who I am hanging out with. Now, there's no titles or anything. I'm really happy with what it is. It's somebody that has I, I used to date, and now we're hanging out again. I don't, I don't know how to even explain it, but. What it is is perfect. It's one of those exactly. like titles on Facebook it where it's like it's complicated. Don't know how to explain it. <laughs> no, because it, it's not even it's not even complicated. It just is what it is, and it's great. Like I, I tell him this all the time. I I, I full blown love him, but. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I like it. I like it. Sounds like you're happy. Like, I mean, that's what we want for you. We want you to be happy, and it sounds like you are. I'm, I, for the first time in my life, I can tell you what happiness is because I feel it. Like, I never got it before. Do you feel like maybe that's what people are seeing? Like, it's not so much the weight loss, they're seeing the happiness on you. It is real. I'm really glad that you said that because I wish, I fucking wish that people would say, oh my God, she looks so happy. I can't stand that all they see is the weight loss because that's just the plus from what happened. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. My ego fucking loves it. I was walking down the street the other day and someone yelled out of a car window, Kelly, you look great. It made my day. I walked into my building like, yeah, I'm shit. <laughs> but like, you know, it, it made my day. But I wish people could see that, that really I'm, I'm happy. I'm all kinds of fucked up. I, I always will be. But 
I really am happy right now and I hope it lasts. And another thing that I did is I went on medication. I owned it. Like I have a terrible, terrible anxiety disorder. And what I've also found out is that I have a form of agoraphobia, which is interesting. And it doesn't help me in social situations at all. I really struggle, but instead of pretending like it's not there, I owned it. I went on medication and it's really helping me. That's great. That's good. And if you want to know what medication I went on, I went on Lexapro. (laughs) I wasn't going to ask, but I I hope that someone out there hears it and they (laughs) say I could use that too. That's what I think when, when I'm talking to you, I hope that there's some listener of ours or yours or one of your fans that goes, okay, that's how I need to change my life. I, like at the end of the day, I feel like someone like you could be a good weight loss. Weight loss if you're not happy. Yeah. If you're happy, it's a fucking transformation. Yeah. It's like it's so different. And look, I will tell you this: it made me resentful. My weight loss did at Hollywood. So fucking resentful because when I was fat, I was invisible invisible they didn't want to work with me they didn't want to do anything with me they just looked at me like ugh, what is that but i showed up fucking high and drunk and they want to work with me it's insane this industry is fucking insane and it made me be like you're all a bunch of cunts but sorry for saying that word kind of <laughs> and then <laughs> so it, now in retrospect like i'm like hmm. I know exactly who I will work with and who I won't work with because I know who called me fat. I know who didn't want to, you know, I know exactly who said it because I, it, I've got really thick skin, it, you know, but I take that and I put it in my memory bag. And when you want to work with me and all these people who are requesting, oh my God, she looks so great. I'm like, fuck off. I'm not doing anything for you. I remember what you said about me. Yeah. And that's like the best revenge. Just <laughs> it feels good to I honestly this is like so like uh, it feels great to hear you say it I know honestly I'll say I'll be like oh you called me fat I'm not working with you I, oh, oh the girl that you called fat mm, okay no yeah walk away it's the best. or say no say what I've learned this is another thing I hope people can learn this too in this two years I always used to be so reactive and jump on any fucking like cancel culture. Yeah, fuck them or do this. And now I have learned saying nothing unless it's about racism. You have to say something. Kind is the best because people can't handle it when you're silent because they want to fight with you. But with men, it's like the best thing ever. Just say nothing. Mm-hmm. Walk away and say nothing. It actually like drives people fucking crazy. Silence drives people crazy. It's deafening. I, I want to tell you something. One of my favorite Instagram posts that you did recently was the one of you, I think it was your father and your mother at the pool, and like you're all separated. And then I think afterwards, the second photo was what your father sent to you. And I feel like we see the side of your dad that, you know, growing up, you think your dad's this rock star and this legend, but, you know, and a very, uh, you know, you, you see all this the stories about him, but then you see what kind of person he is, what kind of father he is, and the feelings he has, and the emotions he has, especially for his daughter. 
especially with the show that he's been doing with with, with Jack, your brother, you kind of see this softer side of him. Uh, so I think it's just a really interesting dynamic to see that different side of your dad. I didn't see it. So what did what did what did he say? You say. I guess your dad texting you goes, it was so lovely seeing you today, Toddles. It breaks my heart that I couldn't give you a kiss and a hug. And that's what your dad texted you. And I thought that was so nice to, to you know, to see that side of your father. Um, how is he doing? How's your dad doing right now? He's really good. Uh, he's, I call him the bronze god because he's been going out and swimming every day. So he is so tan. I, can't, I haven't seen my dad this tan since like the early 90s. When he used <laughs> body oil and stick his hair back, like it is like a whole new world for him because he's been doing uh, physical therapy in the pool to rebuild the the damage from the spine surgery, mm-hmm. where the muscles are reconnecting and everything, so that he doesn't get atrophy. And he's like, he'll swim like a mile in the pool. Like he he's really dedicated right now to to getting better. And once he finds the one thing that he likes, he becomes obsessed with it because I'm like my father, we can become addicted to anything. And he, he's been swimming every day and going on the elliptical. And he also has this gun that he shoots, like these uh, air rifle. So he makes his target practice and then he'll go and shoot that. And he just like, he's got his little routine. He's a creature of habit, my dad is. Yeah, he's always been like very into fitness. I remember seeing on the, the show, he had the trainer he was working with. He's always been in shape. He loves it. I wish I could be addicted to working out. It's the one thing that I didn't get. I was like, that's not fair. Actually, no. I'm really glad I wasn't addicted to sex because those kind of problems I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lot. It's a lot of energy. You know who I feel like is addicted to working out is Britney Spears. I feel like if you watch her on IG, she is constantly working out. She is constantly dancing. She is like, she is fully addicted to working out, I think. She is. And I think that that is, is, but what else are you going to do when you're locked in a house all day? What are your thoughts on this? What are your thoughts on the Britney? I mean, I know there's some latest news with her. She wants to be out of the, the lockdown from her father. What are your thoughts on that? I don't know anything about that. Like, I don't clearly, clearly something is not right. And I'm just going to go back to, to saying, like, you don't make fun of someone when they're struggling. And I hate that underneath it, people are all making fun of her and, like, joking about it. And you're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? This girl is struggling. Where's your compassion? Granted, some of her dance moves are, like, insanely, like, I love them. And I kind of want to learn some of the routines. But out of, like, respect and admiration, not because I'm making fun of her. And, you know, it's the same with Kanye. When he goes on his tirades, the man is not well. You know this. He's bipolar, and you're all like feeding into it and making fun of him and laughing at him. Like, what the fuck is wrong uh, with you? Thank you. I've, I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't understand why people are like laughing, retweeting. I'm like, this man has a serious illness. This is not funny. It was like going. It's like when Amanda Bynes was going through her issues. When Britney's going through issues, I'm like, this is it, not funny. It hurts my heart. It hurts my heart. Like, it actually, because I fucking know what it feels like to feel that crazy and to to be so out of control and lost and broken and need help. I know I've been there. So when I see it in someone else, it hurts. Like, I don't want to laugh at it. I don't want to make fun of it. I don't want to text my friends and share it. I just, you know, want to reach out to their family and say, if you need anything, I'm here. Anything but that, you're disgusting. 
I don't understand it. I really don't. I don't get it at all why people do that. Wow. Well, I, I don't. I know we don't want to keep you on here forever. Adam, is there any last questions you want to get on? Because I know she's sitting in a room full of shit and she needs to go clean that up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she's been sitting through a room full of shit for thirty hours right now. It's just been smelling shit. Um. Yeah. No. Well, I, I'm just curious though. You know, this uh, when you were going out in Hollywood, what was the vibe like going out in Hollywood? I want to be very clear about this kind of surgery that I had. I didn't have a gastric bypass or something like that. Like the kind of surgery that I had, if you don't work out and if you don't eat right, you gain weight. All it does is move you in the right direction. So like anybody who's thinking about doing something like this, like really think about it. Like I had to do a year of on it standalone therapy to prepare myself. Did your mom get the same thing? I think she had the band. Oh, okay. Sorry. I don't know if that's similar or different. Also, I don't know. I don't kind of, I don't want to talk about her hey, shit without. Yeah. Hey, mom, I'm on a podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What people don't realize is it cuts out this hormone that if you have addiction issues, it stops your cravings for, and it makes you not emotionally eat. And that was a huge problem for me. Did that help? It was emotional. Did that also help with, we're sorry, were you sober before then, or did that actually help with sobriety as well? I was sober before. Okay. And it, it did. It did help. Like I don't crave alcohol at all anymore. At all. I used to like not be able to like go through a day without craving. But it. Yeah. It. So like all of these pluses and advantages I got from it, but I can't say enough. And I, I when I do release a podcast and go totally in depth about everything. Um, there are people, I, I did this, like, you go in a support group when you start. One of the people who I did it with is like me and had great results and it took two years and you have to work really hard and you have to work out and you have to eat right. Otherwise, it doesn't work. One of the people in our group lost, like, an additional 30 to 50 pounds and then put on 100 pounds after the surgery. So it, like, so I'm like, if you don't do this, it doesn't work right. You have to follow the steps as it is given to you. And, like, be very careful and cognizant of what you're putting in your body. It's All it is is a push in the right direction. It doesn't solve your problems at all. So I, I, I felt like I would, if I don't say this now, it, it's not fair. Like, it, it doesn't fix things. It's not a quick fix. I've watched people, like, almost die from getting the surgery and not doing it properly. It is a big decision. Well, Kelly, I just got to say, I, I personally want to say thank you for being so honest. It's refreshing. It's uh, it's actually helpful to hear what you've been saying for my internal, you know, everyday issues that I go through. And just to hear someone else kind of speak about it so openly kind of opens the conversation, which makes people feel a little bit more comfortable and, and, and know that they're not alone. So I think it's, uh, I, I commend you for what you're doing. I hope you keep expressing, keep, I, I don't think you're, you're not going to. You're the first people, you're the first interview that I've done since all of this. So it's not like it's been a secret. No one fucking asked me. Yeah. So, you know what I'm saying? So now it's going to be, but it shouldn't be a. Sh- you know what I'm saying? Like it should. It shouldn't be a shaming thing. But they, I'm not ashamed. 
I'm, but that's watch. You just fucking watch. I hope we don't. I promise one thing. I will. One thing that I promised myself during quarantine is there's so much fucking bullshit in this world. I'm not doing it anymore. What you get, what you see is what you get. That's it. Like, I don't want to be part of the, the plastic monopoly. That's not me. And I'm not, and I'm not here trying to become like a one woman army against that. Like it, you're great. You're beautiful. You do you over there, but I'm I'm going to be me over here. You know, it's good. I don't need to be a part of that. I love it. I feel like your happiness is contagious. I want to reach through and just give you a hug, but well, it's a, just okay. a virtual hug. <laughs> I love it. You just, it, it's fun. It's, you know, this is the first time we've ever chatted and I think you've been lovely. And like, like Adam said, I, I think your honesty is really refreshing. I hope that this conversation, I hope your podcast, I hope everything that you're doing right now is helping other people as well, because clearly you've suffered a lot of being in the public for so many years. And I feel that that weights off your shoulder. Don't get me wrong. Yes, I suffered, but I'm very fucking lucky. And my life is amazing. Like it has not been easy at all. You know, I, I, yes, financially, I've been very lucky because of the family I was born into. But it was very difficult. It's still difficult. You know, my dad's got Parkinson's. My brother's got MS. You know, I have my fucking mental issues and we're all just trying to function and be happy and kind to one another and honest. And it, you know, life is hard for everyone. And if I can share my experience, strength and hope and my failures and with other people and they can gain something from it, I will, I will always do that. Yeah. It's amazing. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that on your show of course of course anytime you want to stop by you let us know (laughs) oh my god yeah maybe next have like a shit talking session about everybody Uh, yeah we could do that listen i love it (laughs) thank you kelly have a wonderful one we really appreciate it thank you so much i love you guys